What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Therapy is a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Roz and Renee. Welcome to another episode of the show. Hi sis, I hope that you are doing well and I hope that you have had a wonderful week. Um, So welcome back to another episode of the show. This is part three of the attachment series. I hope that you have enjoyed part one and two. If you have not listened to part one and two, please go back and listen to part one. I go into great detail around kind of a little introduction into why I'm talking about attachment. Um, And in part one, I talk a little bit about what secure attachment is, as well as what um, anxious attachment is. Um, And then in part two, I talked a lot about avoidance and dismissive attachment, which is a little bit around what I felt and um, also grew up feeling like my attachment was with my parents. And so this week, I'm going to be talking about fearful avoidance attachment. Um, And so just to give you a little brief introduction before going into this, I hope that these episodes have been informal. I know that it's a lot of information. It can be extremely overwhelming, I think, when you kind of hear things like this or episodes like this, because they offer a lot of insight and awareness. And like I told you all before, it's very hard to navigate through emotional trauma or just navigating through emotions when you kind of really can't pinpoint where it comes from. And so the practice of therapy is definitely to help you heal with trauma, but also really have a way to identify what some of the issues could be, could be impacting you. And so my goal with all these podcasts is to just, you know, give light and relevance, but also help you to kind of see where some of these layers of trauma can come from, it can be extremely overwhelming and extremely hard to deal with. Um, And again, I've learned so much in being a counselor um, that I said I would do another episode about that. But I really wanted to talk about attachment because I see this happen a lot with a lot of the people that I work with. 
especially black women. Um, I work with a lot of black women and I see this often with us. And so um, I wanted to just preface that. Additionally, why I wanted to talk about attachment, y'all know I'm always an attached faith to this, is that as a believer, I think oftentimes when we talk about building a personal relationship with God, anytime we talk about personal relationship with God, that can look very different for everyone. I don't think and don't believe that any relationship with God is the same for everybody because there's oftentimes a lot of, you know, things unpack when it relates to attachment and creating a relationship with God because there can be sometimes trauma spiritually. There can be sometimes lack of trust because you don't really fully know or understand the character of God. But also there can be just just kind of like this overwhelm of like, what does this even look like? Because God is not like us. And so our limited thought or a limited viewpoint of God does not ever sometimes un- like we can't ever understand the fullness of who he is. We get to experience great parts of our relationship with God. And so sometimes it can be really complicated when you are in hard seasons or you go through um, a bad relationship or um, experience death or experience trauma, no matter what age, that oftentimes these situations can impact you spiritually. And so one of the things I always have said and kind of have learned even more in doing therapy is that Not only are we impacted personally, emotionally, and mentally by certain things, but we are also very much so impacted spiritually. There can be a lot to unbox there. And so your attachment and your relationship with God matter. And so some of these things can help you have some language and understanding into why maybe you may react to God a certain way, or you may even, you know, lean on God in certain seasons or not lean on God in certain seasons. I think God's entire goal is to always lead us back to him. And I think one of those things is really helping us to understand self-awareness, which is ultimately my goal with helping share my story um, as well as share other people's stories when I do interviews and also share topics like this that you may have never heard of. Um, So let's get into the podcast. So we're going to talk today about fearful avoidance attachment. As I've stated before, In the previous episodes, I talked about secure attachment, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, and then fearful avoidant attachment. Fearful avoidant attachment is, is, you know, a little bit different from the other three in that it's a combination actually of avoidant um, attachment as well as anxious attachment. But the difference with this one is, whereas um, an anxious attachment where somebody completely has a fear of abandonment, They themselves um, respond very, uh, they get very overwhelmed when it comes to anything related to addressing things because it's very, they have a lot of um, self-doubt. They may may feel very anxious, feel very sensitive. They feel like they lack emotional safety because they experience a lot of inconsistency with parents. And so they are unsure of what to do in a lot of situations which creates a high level of anxiety. Whereas avoidant attachment is completely dismissive. They're very self-reliant, they're very avoidant, and they can also be very distant, meaning it doesn't bother them to not be attached to people. And so 
there's a deep sense of wanting to be attached to people, but because of the ability to not really address emotion or anything that requires emotion, avoiding attachment is very like, I'm good. Whereas fearful attachment is very different because it's a combination of the two. They are very, it's also kind of described as the unpredictable or disorganized attachment. So someone with this specific attachment style will often have a desire for close relationships, but at the same time, fear trusting others and believe they'll get hurt if they get too close. So kind of like comparing the other ones really with like dismissive attachment, where someone might just be like, I don't have to be close to you. A kind of fearful avoidance attachment is someone that wants to, but they fear so often that they're going to get too close or that somebody's going to hurt them. So it's a combination of clinginess and avoidance. And so there's this longing to be close, but they genuinely fear and believe they're going to get hurt. But they want the closeness, but it's oftentimes really hard. So they may talk themselves out of things or they self-sabotage relationships or very unpredictable in relationships. And they're also very isolated because there's this constant tug of war of like, can I trust them? Can I not trust them? What are they going to do? Are they not going to do this? And it's just very, very overwhelming. And so I'm going to give a quote that was from an article that I'll attach in the show notes for you all and kind of talk through it. So like avoidant attachment, they often cope with distancing themselves from a relation, from relationship partners. But unlike dismissing individuals or avoidant individuals, they continue to experience anxiety and neediness, con- and neediness concerning the partner's love, reliability and trustworthiness. So whereas avoidance and kind of the difference with this is there's a combination of you want to avoid the situation, but you still really long to be close to them. And even as I'm describing this, I know that this sounds extremely overwhelming and probably like hard to hear because it's it's very contradictory. But these are very much so things that people feel because of the level of attachment that might have happened either growing up or maybe experiencing some really big level of trauma um, or not really having that consistency. So some common things that happen when a child or a person may feel very fearful of when attachment is they don't really have a sense of safety. They always feel like something is wrong. They This can be for someone who might have experienced consistent chronic trauma growing up no matter if it was abuse or emotional abuse or had a parent that was like very narcissistic um, or feeling their even their physical safety was often a threat, meaning they may have been abused for long periods of time. And so there's this hypervigilance and hypervigilance is basically like always being on guard. Like you're never feeling like if you go somewhere, you're going to feel fully safe or even know what an aspect of safety looks like. Um, you cannot regulate your emotions. It's very hard for you to do so, meaning you can probably always feel anxious, always feel on edge, always feel like you are struggling with knowing what balance looks like and how to create it. You have a high degree of difficulty of trusting others. So it's very hard for you to even see people as trustworthy, even if they have never given you a reason to not trust them. And this can be very complicated in relationships because you always feel like even though this person has shown me good traits, they're going to hurt me somehow. 
And so there's this deep rooted fear that if I trust people, they're going to hurt me. Um, again, kind of talking about hyper vigilance, always looking out for signs of danger, finding it hard to self-soothe. So meaning self-soothe is kind of a thing where I'll give a little basic example of it and then kind of talk about it for an, an adult. So I think about this with my son. One of the things that we did that I'm so thankful we did was sleep train him. And it started off with just us putting him in the crib at three months. Now, for people that are parents that co-slept or had babies that co-slept, my son did come back in the bed with us at times. But for the most part, I really tried to, throughout his first year, train him to sleep in his bed. And one of the things the doctor told me was like, your son's gonna have to learn to self-soothe, which basically means comfort himself to a point of going back to sleep. And the way she described it was, you're an adult, you wake up throughout the night, imagine crying, waiting for somebody to come get you every time you woke up. And I was like, oh, I would never sleep. And she was like, exactly. So your son has to learn to actually self-soothe himself to go back to sleep. And so for a long period of time, when we were sleep training him, there were times where he would cry and I would have to, for a certain amount of minutes, just not go pick him up for him to eventually kind of calm himself down to go to sleep. Now it's to the point where I can put him down at seven at night and he pretty much sleeps through the night. He may wake up here and there and kind of cry, but he pretty much goes back to sleep and he has learned to kind of self-soothe himself or kind of essentially regulate his emotions to know like we're not gone, but also I'm okay. That nothing is wrong. But the hard part with someone who may have experienced an attachment, I'm going to give this example as an adult. I'm not saying that every adult who didn't sleep train as a baby doesn't know how to self-soothe. I'm basically kind of saying this an example of it. So, but what it looks like in a more practical way is instead of you knowing how to calm yourself down, you may require a lot of things in order to regulate your emotions, meaning not feel overwhelmed you may have to talk to people or have people around you or you may have a hard time knowing how to do this so this can be even for people who may go to alcohol or may go to marijuana or may go to recreational drugs to kind of try to to soothe whatever emotion they have or just outrightly avoid it and so you have a hard time sometimes dealing with the emotion because it's hard to soothe it away um, there might you might be very fidgety. Um, you also may not have a sense of personal boundaries. So for someone who may be struggling with fearful attachment, you don't even know really what boundaries look like for you because boundaries are if I put this if I kind of put this boundary up, does this mean this person is gonna leave me? And so there's this also can sometimes be this feeling of I don't want to hurt the person's feeling but I don't want them to continue to hurt me. So it's kind of like you don't really have an understanding of what healthy boundaries actually look like. You may also have a difficulty concentrating. Um, I also give this and say this to clients a lot because I have a lot of people that come to me that ask like, do they struggle with ADHD because they may struggle with focus. And I kind of always say, you do need to be tested by somebody to see if you have ADHD, but a lot of times ADHD can really look like trauma. And we may think we have ADHD because it's a hard time. It's hard for us to focus, but in all actuality, you may just be having a trauma trigger where you may find it hard to uh, concentrate. Um, you may also find it hard to keep friends, which can be a really big thing 
because one thing that comes with having friendships is communication, dealing with conflict, trust, opening up and being vulnerable. Friendship is way more than just kind of going out with people, which to some degree you can have friends that you just go out with, but where's the value and the substance in deeper things, especially as you're an adult, you find that you need more than just that to kind of cope through the day or cope through life because there are a lot of situations that occur that make it very hard to kind of navigate friendships when people, um, when you don't have people you can share things and open up with. So you find it hard to keep friends because there requires some level of vulnerability and with a lack of trust and feeling like, I don't know if I can trust that back and forth feeling creates a lot of anxiety and can make it hard to keep friends. You also may disassociate to cut off feelings. So what that means is you completely kind of disengage altogether in order to deal with the feeling. You don't want to deal with the feelings you might feel. This doesn't necessarily always happen in relationships, but this can happen if like, this is the first thing that comes to mind, but like you apply to a job and they never contact you. And so now you completely, instead of feeling and saying, I feel rejected because this, this job didn't reach back out to me or just feel like kind of taking it for what it is or like, okay, they didn't reach out to me. You completely like talk bad about that company or just completely disengage altogether and kind of disassociating yourself with that thing completely in order to not deal with the negative emotion that you felt. I hope that makes sense. And then you may also try to regain control by being bossy. So this is a way for a lot of people, including myself, trying to learn what I've learned. Let me just kind of go on a tangent for a second. What I have learned about not being in control is that it's impossible for me to be in control but there are tactics where I have tried to be in control and it's very hard because I can't control people. And a lot of times I can't control situations. So it makes it very challenging to try to deal with a lot of things. And one of the things, especially in relationships I've learned, and I really kind of learned this through being married to my very, very non like care what I try to say about being bossy towards him husband, because he's like, Girl, I'm not gonna do what you tell me to do. <laughs> and he's very supportive and we, we have great communication. But at the same time, I would always say, like, I know best, so you need to listen to me when I'll actually I don't know best. But in order to regain control for me emotionally, my default reaction a lot of times was trying to boss him around. Like you should do this and this would fix the issue. When in our reality, I'm just trying to be very in control because I don't feel emotionally safe in that situation. So a lot of times it's like, you know, kind of going through some of these things, we kind of wonder, you know, where does this even come from? Because sometimes this can continue into adulthood if you might experience some things as a kid and really that high level of anxiety and having a hard time to trust people can make it really hard to know what to do. And so this creates a lot of um, emotional dysregulation in a way to like make this practical when I say emotional regulation or dysregulation. And really what I'm trying to say is that you have a hard time calming down or regulating your feelings. Meaning if you're feeling something, you have a hard time like getting through it. It's really hard for you to um, know how to respond or respond in a way that might be healthy. So you may just go off. You may cut somebody out. You may shut down internally. You may cut them off. 
And that's not necessarily the healthiest way. It's just the way you're dealing with it to try to cope with maybe not feeling. Because a lot of times with us who might have experienced avoidance attachment or even a fearful avoidance attachment is you have no understanding of emotional identification. And this can even happen with anxious attachment. But like you, you really genuinely don't even know what you feel on a, on a consistent basis. A lot of things I've heard from clients in talking about this is one of the most common things I hear is, well, I'll just let it go. Or I want to let it go. Or why can't I just let this go? When I really say, and I truly believe this, that letting it go is your way of just avoiding not feeling or sitting in the emotion. Because sitting in the emotion is really uncomfortable to say, I have been hurt and disappointed. And sometimes whoever has hurt or disappointed you may not even acknowledge you or acknowledge that they hurt you. And so sitting in that is very uncomfortable And we often ask why or um, even feel very bad about the fact that people won't recognize or acknowledge us. And so you have a hard time processing through then what does it look like for somebody to acknowledge me or and not acknowledge me. And so instead of that, you just kind of let it go. And that's not really dealing with it. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I could probably go into a whole spiel about quote unquote, letting it go. And that's also not validating to you. When, when I hear people say, I just want to let it go. Like it's hard for me as a therapist to be like, but do you like, is letting it go just a coping mechanism so that you can get through it? And some people, again, sometimes that may be the thing that they have to do to kind of just do it. Cause there are some things you just kind of have to let go. But when it comes to like deep rooted things and sometimes really feeling hurt in order for you to let it go is to really feel the emotion, which is a lot of times what we don't want to do. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And so um, the conflicting, the, another thing that can happen with people, especially in adulthood, that have had this type of attachment is you have conflicting feelings about relationships. You're not sure how to feel about them. Friendships, dating relationships, just any type of relationship you don't even know how to feel about it so you you crave this you want this and even to some degree you probably even want people to do the work for you to reach out to you to make plans with you to do these things but even in that if they did you still wouldn't trust them even if they've never given you a reason to not trust them just the sheer fact of the way that you have probably been and grown up has made this be this way. You also may have a negative self view of yourself. So you probably have really low self-esteem, um, not very, um, pat, you may be very passive aggressive. You may withdraw or isolate from social situations out of just really feeling like, and what I tell clients is just like a lack of worthiness that 
you're worthy enough to be in these safe relationships and healthy relationships. And then you also may avoid getting close to other people. And so kind of along with this, this, this complete isolation, um, just avoiding getting to know people because there's this fear that I'm going to experience rejection. And so there's this constant state of self-sabotage. What I like to say is where you kind of get in it, but then you talk yourself out of it because to some degree, it's like, if I try, it won't even matter. If I go for it, it's not even going to be a thing. And most of this has a lot to do with layers and layers and layers of disappointment that has not either been processed, addressed, or acknowledged by you or maybe even the person that hurt you. And so these, um, these type of things where you're struggling with this and you may be wondering like, how did this even happen? Some of this has a lot to do with, um, the way we grew up, but also there are a lot of things related to, um, situational things like abuse, trauma, uh, there might have been trauma with a caregiver. There may not have been trauma with a caregiver. And when I say trauma, there is even like if there's been brokenness in the relationships, like if there was distance for a period of time or a parent might have gone away for a while, you might have moved in with a grandparent. That breaks attachment. That time frame can do that. Broken trust. So if there was something that happened where you were um, just consistently and overwhelmingly always disappointed and your trust was broken you may constantly feel as though um you just don't trust people and even like even if like parents make promises to you and they just don't fulfill them or just this constant this constant disappointment can be extremely extremely detrimental to how you feel in relationships because there has been no consistency of trust. There's also a thing to this is in some degree, and I know that black parents, we kind of are in a new wave, I feel like, of this term thrown around called gentle parenting. Um, and y'all, it's very hard <laughs> to not use traditional ways of discipline with your children. <laughs> it's really hard. It's something that's kind of newly being explored and accepted um, in the parenting space. Um, and, but there's a lot of also like miseducation around what it looks like. But for sure, the idea is to really learn to treat your children like people, um, which growing up when I grew up, it's like, you're not a person, you're my kid and whatever I say goes. And so that does create in some degree toxicity because you then kind of feel less than and so one of the things that can really impact and kind of even impact this attention is threatening language so toxicity related to language and physical threats or like i'll beat your a or you know i'll smash you up against a wall or i'll knock your head off like things like that can although be in our heads hearing like as an adult if I hear a parent say that I don't think to myself that they're not parenting well I think to myself this is something my mama would say to me but when you think about it as an from a child perspective hearing your parents say very threatening things to you 
and either following through with some of that or even kind of not even acknowledging that that was hurtful can really kind of over time make you feel like a lack of safety or this constant fear of physical violence being inflicted on you constantly that you may react in situations or certain circumstances with physical violence because you were taught to some degree that that's the way you handle conflict or this is the way that my mom exuded her frustrations when she was overwhelmed. And so this degree to this is like safety, quote unquote, of me expressing my feelings is me cussing you out or inflicting harm. And that can be very unhealthy in any relationship. If it's a man and a woman and a man is inflicting harm on a woman, but even a woman inflicting harm on a man. And although sometimes we may downplay it and say it is playful after so long, like that really doesn't support a loving, caring relationship, even if some degree we may see it as that because that's all we've known. Okay. And so um, even lastly, where this could have been caused is also going back to emotionally needy caregivers. And I think, especially in the black community, I think, um, there's this thing of, you know, what goes on in this house stays in this house. But also, I think um, in some ways, some parents can have two paradigms where they completely don't share what they are going through with their kid or parents who share everything with their kid and kind of have the expectation that their kid support or even be the emotional caregiver to the parent to almost kind of like try to fix it. Or the parent doesn't know that this is an unhealthy way to build a relationship with your child, but because they may or may not have any other layer of support for themselves, they rely a lot on the child for their emotional needs. And as a kid who is learning how to build emotions and often doesn't have the logic or reasoning, our our brain isn't fully developed till age 25. And really most of the logic and reasoning that we have isn't developed until that age. So as a kid, you don't even understand why your parent is doing this, but in some way it feels like this is their way of building attachment. But growing up, when you become an adult, you can find that that can be extremely unhealthy and very, very overwhelming to feel like you are, your parent is extremely reliant on you emotionally. And it can almost even kind of look like... more of a gossip relationship than a parent-child relationship, okay? Um, And then so I think also lastly to give context, if your parent also struggled or had a fearful avoidant attachment with their parent, they may display some of these characteristics and make it hard to kind of cope and deal with some of these things. And it's just, it's it's, it's a very convoluted thing, y'all. So I want to describe too that I think taking a break really quick to kind of give context. um, I think that it's extremely overwhelming to hear some of this at times and kind of know what to do with it. Um, I recognize for myself that if somebody were to come to me and said I was experiencing avoidance attachment, I would have been one very happy that they addressed it and like helped me understand But also then it's like you feel defeated because you're like, I don't know what to do now. And I'm going to start to say, y'all, therapy is one of the first steps. Uh, I am always and will always be 
an advocate for this space because I, I think we do not know at times the depth of how our mental health impacts us. And then we don't realize the depth of how sometimes so rooted our trauma is. To this day, I still am in counseling almost five years. It'll be five years in like six months, I think. I have been in counseling so four and a half years. I'm still unpacking things. I'm still to this day unpacking things. And I really want you all to be patient with your process, no matter how long you've been in counseling. Be patient with your process and even be patient if you're discovering new things as you're processing through a lot of this because it's it's not voided on God that these things are happening. But also, I think to some degree, especially when I talk about um, how we can cope with this, some of the coping mechanisms in order to get to those healthier spaces you may not even know what the hell healthy looks like. You may not even know what healthy boundaries look like because everything isn't so convoluted with pain and guilt and shame and avoidance and not addressing the problems. So to even start the process to do this is very unhealth is very overwhelming. And I tell clients all the time, like, you're going to hate me before you love me. You're going to hate therapy before you like it. You're going to hate dealing with a healing process versus when you are on the other side of it. And it's less, it's not that it's not impactful, but you're not as triggered by it. Um, whereas now, whereas I used to be very avoidant to emotion, girl, I am all about emotion now. Whereas I used to be very avoidant in relationships, I am all about trying to address the problem and state how I feel. Whereas I'm very used to be very, very lack of self-worth, I look at myself in a different angle at times. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't still happen. Like there are times where I still feel like I'm not worthy. But in some way, shape, or form, therapy is giving me the opportunity to process through that to understand so that I can shift my response to a lot of things that may have been probably not the healthiest at first. And so how do we cope with this? I think one, you need to understand what your attachment style is. So from these episodes kind of gathering, you can kind of see where you might land with some of these and like do the research, like for yourself, do the research, talk to people, kind of recognize maybe for yourself where this came from. And kind of understand your own attachment because I think understanding your attachment gives you then the opportunity to know how to address it. Which goes into the next piece, which is self-awareness. You cannot be aware of things you are not willing to address. So if you're not willing to address some of these core issues, you can't even then begin the process of reflection, of acknowledgement, of understanding if you're not willing to want to try to address some of these areas. The other piece of that, which I think is important, especially when it comes to attachment, because attachment has a lot to do with relationships, is really understanding and practicing communication skills, which is (laughs) not fun. Because one thing about avoidance, if we're talking about fearful avoidance attachment, it is extremely hard for people who are avoidant to communicate. It is probably impossible. <laughs> I'm just even going to be honest. 
because there is a high degree of vulnerability when you communicate and in some degree communication forces avoiding people to address emotions they don't want to address and so I can only speak from that when and knowing that and it also is hard for us to sometimes avoiding people to swallow that we were wrong because again going back to a level of control we like to be the boss and so it really goes back to communication and taking a lot of humble pills because you have to really to some degree have good communication also the other thing with communication skills in relationships you're going to have conflict I think it's very unsustainable and also unrealistic to think you're ever going to be in a relationship and not have conflict. And I'm not talking about conflict where y'all disagree on something and it's like, oh girl, I don't agree with you on that. I'm talking about genuine conflict where somebody hurts you and you have to bring it up to them and it becomes conflictual because the one person has one side, the other person has another But also what happens when you don't communicate is there are a lot of holes and you fill those holes in with your own scenarios based on your experience and you think the person is really doing X, Y, and Z and they're really not. But you can't, you don't even have the humility to talk to them because you would rather fill it in with your scenario based on what you think is going on than communicate. And that becomes an unhealthy response because what that does is, is it doesn't give you then the opportunity to hear the other side of the story because you don't even really want to hear it. But on the other side of it too, you're fearful that if you hear it, it may mean that you got to address some things you don't want to address. And that is so hard, y'all. I remember there were times where me and my husband would get into it and I would be like, I know I'm wrong, but I don't want to say I'm wrong. <laughs> Girl, it'd be so bad. But it's important to know, like, in order to cope with this, some of this has to do with communication. And sometimes in some degree, maybe even becoming estranged to people because you really can't even communicate with them because their stuff may have been hurtful to you. Um, another way to cope with this is really setting healthy boundaries. And again, that goes with being in counseling to understand what boundaries are and what boundaries are healthy. Because sometimes we can create unhealthy boundaries by just like, putting a wall up and that's not you can't even see past a wall what I like to describe with boundaries is you putting a gate up you can see you can let people in still without feeling like you're opening yourself up to a million and one things and then lastly therapy I think therapy is just the place and the tool to ultimately be able to begin to process some of these very complicated things that are I think are necessary to process through so overall I think Um, and I'm kind of closing off with this to say, why does this impact our faith? Because I think, and I, and I'm pretty sure, I hope I've described it in some way to you that's made it practical, but our attachment can sometimes be convoluted with these things. Like if you have broken trust with people, I'm pretty sure you have broken trust with God. If you have experienced abuse or trauma, there's probably a lot of questions you have for God about why he allowed quote unquote that to happen and really have a distance between you and him because you have no real understanding of knowing and really seeing too that hurt people hurt people and trauma impacts people generationally and so it takes understanding and it takes believing that God is there for us and also I read a scripture the other day. It was Romans 8. I want to say it was 
I'm going to find it real quick while I'm talking, but like it was talking about how nothing can separate us from God's love. And I think it's really hard to probably even uh, in my way of looking at it, really even understand that there's nothing that could separate me from my father because so much of me feels like there's something, something's going to happen and I'm separating him, but Romans eight thirty-eight through 39. And this was the scripture. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. And then I'll keep going. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the New Living Translation. But the scripture about neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. And I think when you're in healing or even processing things in therapy, you often have a lot of worries and fears that you think these things will separate you from God and none of that does. None of this separates us from God's love, even our trauma. And I think that's important to note. And so I bring this up because I think um, triggers of this will constantly happen. Like you're going to constantly be unpacking this over time. It just gets, I don't think it's, it's never solved overnight. It just is a process. And I hate to say that because it's so cliche, but I recently was reflecting um, over some of this year because I think, and I'll, I'll talk about this in another podcast, but I, 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 I've explained to y'all that my word for 2022 is surrender. And, you know, I had my own idea of what surrenderance looked like. But I think a lot of times when God does things, he does not do it in the way that you expect and you don't enjoy it in the process until after it happens and you're seeing the fruit of that season kind of blossom and it's so frustrating because there are times where I'm like god you know I thought I had it all together and it's like you bring me through a season where you just rip me apart sometimes (laughs) basically and reveal to me that I don't have nothing together and just how frustrating it is to always feel like you don't have anything together how frustrating it is to kind of feel like you're at a pace, you're you're kind of getting it, and then God slap you in the face again with another set of things that you're like, it's just like I won't ever get it right, and I think that's okay. And I kind of re- said to myself shortly after, kind of processing that was, I'm okay with things taking time. I'm not on anybody's race. I'm not on anybody's clock. And y'all have to be okay with things maybe taking time. And it's okay if it takes time, but rather deal with it now than avoid it and have to still deal with the trauma of it later. And avoidance is particular. And I think I'm going to do avoidance in the next podcast to just talk about what it actually looks like. Because avoidance is really, really, I think, probably one of the top things that keeps us from experiencing I would say the fullness of what we could in in healthy situations because we just don't want to address the problem we don't want we as people do not like uncomfortable feelings and so because of that we just avoid and quote-unquote say to ourselves we're letting it go but you're not you're not letting it go and then lastly most of the why this impacts our faith is because it impacts our relationships 
and relationships are necessary for us to work out our salvation. Relationships are a way to sanctify us. They're a way for us to encourage each other. They're a way for us to lift each other up, support each other, to feel loved, to feel heard, to feel validated, to feel seen. And when you don't have that, as much as people would like to say they don't have to have relationships, you need relationships in order to thrive. You need villages in order to thrive. And so I think it's important for us to know these things and kind of closing out with this, you know, secure attachment was the first one. And I don't know it. I really don't know a lot of people that may have had a secure attachment. I'm learning to try to have secure attachment with my own child. And so it, it's hard, but that's an attachment, an anxious um, attachment, avoiding attachment, and then fearful avoidant. So research these, take these podcasts, share it with somebody who you think might be, um, they may need to listen to this or learn from this. And I really, really hope that this was a blessing to you. Um, I've seen y'all share them on with me on Instagram when you're listening to it. Please write me an email. Um, you can send an email to info at rosinrenee.com or write me on Instagram. Just let me know how these podcasts were um, impactful to you, this three-part series. I pray that it was. I really love y'all. I hope that you enjoyed this and I'll talk to y'all next week. Bye.